our series in the resurrected life. And I need to say something right up front that um, when Pastor Nate asked me to preach on this, of the de- this deadly sin, anger, um, I thought that would be a good idea and I'd be willing to do that, but we had not checked the calendar. And we realized it came upon Mother's Day. And I want to just say right up front, as a disclaimer, this is not a secret way to get at any unfelt um, uh, anger toward your mother or mother-in-law or any other combination thereof. So I'm just going to take that off the table. We're going to talk about that as part of our series in the resurrected life as one of the deadly sins. But I'm also going to say something right up front about our mothers. And um, I just need to add my appreciation um, for our mothers, for those who mother us. And I want to include the biological mothers as well as our spiritual mothers. Every woman here has been given and gifted by God to mother his church. And we say when our kids come forward that we pledge to raise them together as a church family. And I'll have to tell you, two of the most influential women in my life were single women who never had their own kids, but had a profound effect on my life. One was my mother's best friend. And when she was working an extra job to make things meet, she would spend hours with me. Taking me seriously as a third and fourth, fifth grader, she taught me VBS and taught me um, to know and love Jesus. The other one was my third, fourth, and seventh grade teacher. Now, I think they tagged her along with me because I needed some extra help. (laughs) But she, too, listened to me, took me seriously. I remember how formative that was in my early adolescence. And she called me up. In fact, well, 10 years ago, she showed up, surprised me. I was speaking in... uh, Colorado Springs. She drove down from her retirement community in Denver to be there to see Junior, Junior Frost. And then two years ago, she called me. She said, Gene, this is probably the last time I'm going to call you. My memory is going, and I can barely remember. But I wanted you to know I've been praying for you your entire life, almost every day. What an impact of a woman in my life that mothered me. So I want to say thank you to all the mothers here that mother every one of us in many special ways. And also I'm going to get to say thank you to my own mother tonight. I'll take her dinner. She's 102. And um, I am so grateful for the lessons that her greatest generation has passed on to me. She's a soul winner. She loves Jesus and, again, had a great profound effect. So I hope we're all grateful for the women God's put in our lives, our biological mothers, those who mothered us, And then the privilege it is for all of you women to be a mother to us all. Thank you. Anger. (laughs) Smooth transition. Um, This morning, we're going to talk about victory over anger. And um, Pastor Nate, who's off on vacation this week and getting a well-deserved rest, um, has warned us that while the church throughout history has really identified these as very dangerous, deadly sins, our modern society has kind of tried to dress them up, tried to get us not to be so afraid and and maybe even entertain and play with them. We've redefined them. You see, pride no longer is the chief of sin that that drove Adam and Eve from the garden. Pride is merely merely just positive self-esteem. Or how about greed? That's just enjoying what you've earned. It's what you deserve. Just think about modern marketing. 
If they couldn't tell you, you, you deserve a break today. You deserve to drive that new car. How about gluttony? That, that's just being a connoisseur. Enjoying the better things that God has given us. And of course, then there is anger. Eh, anger's not so bad. It, it's just venting. It, it's just expressing yourself. In fact, Hollywood uh, kind of dresses it up, and if you saw the Pixar movie Inside Out, you saw a nice little cute cartoon character that was our anger. I'm going to let you uh, see him here this morning. And um, that's the response that uh, Disney wanted you to have, you know, the cute little guy that uh, lost it. But I can tell you, it is a very deadly sin. Let's talk a little bit of why it is considered one of the seven deadly sins here this morning. First of all, it's physically deadly. It has an impact on your body. I'm going to ask Dr. Wolf to come up because I... Uh, had this definition of what actually happens when the emotion of anger triggers a physiological response. And quite frankly, I could not pronounce the words. <laughs> and I thought it would also be much more effective if you heard a medical doctor tell you what unchecked anger or rage can do to you. Dr. Wolf. The fight or flight portion of your brain, called the amygdala and the locus ceruleus and the all kinds of things there, when activated, sends out neurotransmitters, catecholamines, hormones, um, that include epinephrine, norepinephrine, dopamine, cortisol. Uh, these increase blood pressure, heart rate, increase glucose, fatty acids, uh, inflama inflammation of the vessels, and it can damage these veins and arteries, which of course can lead to heart disease at the very least. Now, I, I thought that sounded pretty bad. But this is what Dr. Wolf sent to me just before I got up here. It's actually worse than that. <laughs> the problem that the continuation of this threat, these chemical reactions, have profound negative consequences on sleep quality, immune functions, digestion, cardiovascular health, and peace of mind. These are all the things that can happen when we allow unchecked anger and rage to live in our life, physically uh, destructive. But then there's also the destruction of relationships and, and even the point to deadly to murder. We have these examples in scripture. We have Cain's anger that led him to murder his brother, Abel. We saw Esau chase his brother from the country. We saw Saul turn on his friend David and chase him and, and throw a spear at him and wish him dead. The Sanhedrin ground their teeth in rage against Peter and John until Gamaliel calmed them down. We have the stoning of Stephen. We have Paul himself who was so angry, he said, that he breathed out threats of murder against the disciples. Anger can be so destructive it can even lead to murder and death. This is why the Proverbs warns that the man who has unchecked anger or rage commits many sins, stirs up dissension, produces strife, and leads to one's enslavement. 
I think we can all look at our own lives as examples of things perhaps when we let anger, unchecked anger and rage, and we said something we wished we had never said. Have you ever said something you wish you could take it back, but the damage is done? Something you've done and, and, and you can't undo it? That's unchecked anger and rage. Perhaps you've been the victim of unchecked anger and rage toward you and felt that pain. Even more subtly, sometimes we, we have it in the back of our mind and we allow it to keep going, unlike our children's sermon, and, and we rationalize other behaviors. We become bitter. We have envy, all nursed by our anger. So, I don't think I need to say anything more this morning. Anger can be very deadly, very dangerous, very destructive in our lives, in our relationships, in our spiritual well-being. However, there's another side to this. Because we have examples of Scripture where there was anger and righteousness. We have examples of the God Himself. In the Old Testament, He was anger, angered with the wickedness. He was angry toward Israel. Jesus Himself was angry toward the Pharisees. And He even whipped, got a whip and chased the money changers out of the temple. Well, wait a minute. What was that all about? That was righteous anger. In fact, the, the term we're going to use this morning is righteous indignation. I'm going to explain that anger, righteous indignation, is anger which always is shown toward evil and never for selfless purposes. Let me say that again. Righteous indignation is anger which is always shown toward evil and never for selfish purposes. You see, the rage that goes unchecked and, and anger that becomes rage is basically just all about us and our selfishness. Righteous indignation is about God. And his justice. In fact, if we don't feel that, something's wrong. If we can see mistreatment, the insult or malice toward another or injustice and don't have a response, something's wrong. God calls us to have a response to the injustice and evil in this world. You see, that's what drove Wilberforce to fight against slavery. That's what drove Martin Luther King to fight for civil rights. They had this reaction to injustice and they did something about it. They were moved. They had righteous indignation. They harnessed this in a positive way. Aquinas says that without righteous anger, without righteous indignation, teaching will be useless, judgments unstable, and crimes unchecked. So, what do we do this morning? How can we um, take this unchecked anger and rage and take it out of our lives and, and how can we only make room for what the Bible's explained as righteous indignation how do we do that how do we have victory over anger so that we've harnessed the good and removed the bad well we're going to look at three scripture verses this morning the Bible is always the, our answer in our spiritual life so we're going to look at three scripture verses the first one was in our text that you heard read this morning it's found in Ephesians 4 Verse 26. Let me read it for us. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Very simple, short verse, but so powerful, so packed with good instructions. The very first commandment is what? Be angry. We so often say, oh, don't be angry. Calm down. Don't be angry. What's the saying? Very first thing it says, be angry. Be angry. 
It's what Aaron told us in our children's sermon. Acknowledge your emotion. That's a healthy thing. We all realize that uh, when we lose someone we love, what's a natural response? Grief. You need to grieve. You've had a loss. If you repress that, it's only going to pop up somewhere else. The same thing with anger. You're feeling this anger, acknowledge it. It's coming up. In fact, if you repress it, it'll just come up somewhere else. How about passive-aggressive? I'm not angry. Just try to get something out of me. Or shaming. You little boy. Or all sorts of other evil things where that anger goes underneath. And it comes out in all sorts of destructive ways. And ultimately even in depression. So we have to acknowledge that as part of our healthy being a human. But what's it say exactly after it says be angry? Sin not. (laughs) Do not sin. So you don't get very much time here. You can feel it. You can acknowledge it. You can experience it. But the very first thing you do is don't express it. Don't act on it. Don't do something. It says, sin not. Stop right there. And let me tell you a little bit of how I think sin not works. We have some instruction from James 1.19, where James tells us to be slow to anger. Slow to anger. I think what they're really saying is this is where you stop. This is where you count to 10. This is where you take that deep breath. All sorts of things I've had to learn in my own dealing with anger. I have to stop and slow down. Now why? Why am I slowing down? Am I just just holding up that freight train because pow, I'm going to get, no. I'm slowing down so that I can evaluate what's going on. I can evaluate that emotion. And this is what really what God asks us to do. You want to evaluate what it is you're experiencing and what you're thinking. Now, I need to give a little personal testimony here because some of you know me very well and some of you have just met me for the first time. And, um, but let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I have no problem getting in touch with my anger. It's, it's right there. In fact, my um, siblings, my two older sisters, were convinced I would be in a reform school from which I would graduate into the penitentiary. Because anybody that could get that mad about that stuff was going to get in a lot of trouble. And I'm not saying I didn't get in a lot of trouble, but by God's grace, he uh, helped me start working on this problem of anger. And um, so it's something I've really worked hard at. In fact, I can actually fool people. Um, I was working on the Board of Trade for about two years. And in a pit, what was actually the largest options trading pit in the world at the time, 500 people. And we're screaming and yelling and arguing about tens of thousands of dollars every day. And there's fighting breaking out everywhere. And after about two years, one day someone had crossed the line, energized my fight or flight reaction, and I didn't stop. And there was a parting of the Red Sea, and there was some words said. And I remember I walked out of the pit not happy with what I had done, and several people came up to me and said, Gene, we don't know what that was about. We don't know what the altercation was about, but we knew you were right because you never get angry. (laughs) I just thought, praise Jesus, (laughs) the people that don't know me. But really what that was, that's the same as when you watch an alcoholic never drink. You say, oh, he must be 
a teetotaler. He must have that. No, he doesn't go there. Okay? So I'm a rageaholic. My name's Gene. I'm a rageaholic, and I don't go there very often, and I have to be really careful. So this is, next part is very important to me, and I'm going to share it with you. What did I learn when I slowed down and tried to evaluate what was going on? I went to a Bible conference, and the leader there shared this insight with me. He said, you can probably, every time you get angry, and check this out this week, test this out this week, every time you get angry, it's because you're demanding a right that's been violated. You have a right, and they violated your right. And if you can identify that, as you process, as you evaluate, that'll help a lot. Let me give you a couple examples that maybe we all share. You're driving down the road, and of course that car cuts you right off. That response is there, right there, right? Okay, that's one, got that? Okay, and then, of course, you're at the grocery store, and you have your eight items in the 10 or less lane, and the person with the cart in front of you has 21. <laughs> How come you know they have 21? Because you counted them while you're waiting. And uh, so let's think about it. Okay, a little, little emotional reaction. I'm trying to pick something a little neutral that we don't want to do anything on Mother's Day to get too out of bounds. Um, okay, what are the rights I'm demanding? Think about that. What's the right I'm demanding? When I drive a car, this is my road. I am a place to go, I'm an important person, and I've got to get there, and I have the right not to be interrupted. I have the right not to be cut off. I have the right not to have anybody get... Start listening to myself. I start listening to myself. Oh, you do? You think that's your right? Or how about in the grocery store line? Hey, I have the right. I'm, I'm in a hurt. That's your right? Start keep reflecting on this, and this is where I've learned to go. When I'm driving, I'm driving in a car that I own on a highway that somebody built for me to go somewhere I want to go. All of a sudden, I am so humiliated and saying, this is a privilege to be here. And I don't know what's going on in that person's life, but I know what's going on in my life. I'm a pretty selfish person that can't appreciate what I have. Or standing in that line in the grocery store, I have the money to buy anything I want. I can eat anything I want, anytime I want. I can go to a grocery store and buy it. And there's people in this world who are starving. And I'm going to complain because I have to wait in line. Who am I? Oh, man, I am, when I started asking myself, what is it that I'm demanding that I think I'm so important? All of a sudden, I'm humiliated. Those demands are pretty embarrassing. In fact, I quickly turn them into thank the Lord that I have the privilege to drive around, that I have the privilege to eat a big meal. All of a sudden, everything changes. When I find that it's all about me, and that anger is being me demanding a right, if I can identify that right, cancel it, and say, hey, I don't want to be about that. That's not who I am. It's not what God wants for my life. All of, that anger all goes away. In fact, many times I can turn it into praise. Have a good day. <laughs> hey, you know, it looks like a lot of baby food there. How's the kids, you know? You could turn it. It's, it's, you're in control. You're in control of that. It's what you decide to do with that. If you want to keep demanding that, if you're the king of the universe and you want everything to go, your, go ahead. You're going to end up like Rick described. But I've learned again and again to stop. That's my count to ten. That's my deep breath. What's the right I'm demanding? Is it something all about me? And you know what I found out in my own life? It's about 98% about me. And so I usually just assume 
that, and that's where I start, that God has asked me to examine. I got something from um, Rita Christensen last night, a quote from a study she was doing. It says, explain your anger instead of expressing it, and you'll find solutions instead of arguments. Explain it. Examine it. Think about it. Evaluate it. And then, of course, do that in a timely way. The rest of the scripture says, do not let the anger go down, or the sun go down on your wrath. Process that in a timely way. Don't hold on to it. Don't nurse it. Don't um, hold on, as we heard in the children's sermon. So they're giving us some good instruction here from, um, from Ephesians 4.26. Be angry. Acknowledge your emotion. But do not sin. That's first, slow down. Then evaluate, is this something that I'm doing about myself, or is this the other option, which is the righteous indignation? Let me give you an example of this. You've been insulted. Somebody has humiliated you and insulted you. Get that emotion, you experience it, and now you have to do an evaluation. It's at work. This person who's jealous of you, who doesn't appreciate your faith, who takes every opportunity to um, take a shot at you, what do you do? Well, what's your right you're demanding? I have the right that no one can ever say anything negative to me or anything hurtful to me. Think about that a minute. When Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are reviled for my sake. Jesus, who was mocked and insulted and could have brought down 10,000 angels. Evaluate. I'm here to serve my God. And I'm going to suffer under the cross. And that's, I'm not going to take this on to myself. I start thinking about that and I say, hey, what, how am I going to be a witness in this work environment? It's going to be lashing back, showing him who's boss, getting even. No, that's not my right. That's God's right. So I let go of it. I let go of it. I, I think about what God has suffered, what I can suffer for his sake, and I let go. Now, same example. This person's insulted you. They've embarrassed you and, 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 and said something hurtful, but they're your child. You know what? And you're busy. And it's been a long day. And what's going to take to make a difference and set them straight and, and just go, out, go outside. And I've watched this. I, I work in education. I've watched parent after parent when they should have said, that's wrong. This child is going to learn to disrespect people. This person is not going to follow in God's way. These, this is not honoring the Ten Commandments. Everything is wrong about this. And I need to take time and lovingly, caringly discipline and nurture and get this thing right. And I've watched parents who are just too tired, just too busy, just go out and play and not have the righteous anger that they need to say, no, no, I'm going to work on this one. This is going to make an eternal difference in this child's life. I've watched people take, and take the uh, right for themselves and show their anger. And then when they're confronted with injustice or something that needs to be corrected or something that needs to be done right, it's just, or just that I can't, can't do it. It's too hard. Both are failures to deal with anger. Both are failures. One is the failure to control the unchecked anger and rage that comes out of our selfishness. The other one is the failure to show the righteous indignation that makes a difference for the kingdom of God and motivates righteous behavior. Well, we're going to close with one last verse. And it's a verse that uh, 
I don't think you normally connect with a sermon on anger. In fact, I would not have th- thought of it unless it came up in my devotions this week. I'm reading through Matthew's, Matthew and the Beatitudes, and in Matthew 5.5, 5, there's this Beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, what is that doing in a sermon on anger? Well, Barclay, in his commentary, explains that meek, the word meek has lost all meaning in our culture. And what the word originally meant in the Greek, and how Aristotle explained it, it was a very powerful word. It meant you were able to hold the extremes together. You were able to control something that was very powerful. And not able, not let it get out on either side. It was, it was what Jesus showed. When he did have the power of 10,000 angels, and he didn't say a word. He controlled that. He could have done anything he wanted, anytime. But he was under such control that no matter what pain he experienced or what humiliation, he knew he had a higher goal. And he was able to control it. That's what meekness means. It's, it's the rider of a powerful horse that could bolt at any time. But it's under control. It's under control. This is what it means to have victory over anger. The meek person has that control over this power. In fact, here's how Barclay translates that beatitude. Are you ready? Blessed is the man or woman who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. It popped up in my devotions this week. God brings those things together that I need to hear, that perhaps we need to hear. So I would like to challenge you this morning. Victory over anger? Absolutely. On that selfish anger, that unchained, uh, unchecked anger that becomes rage and is just about all about us? Stop, evaluate, see what the right is, see if you want to claim it. See if it's God's right or yours, and that make that decision. And if it's something that you need to act out for God's sake, then that's righteous indignation. Blessed is the man or woman who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time, for they will have victory over anger. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's practical, that it helps us. It helps us avoid the pain and suffering that we often inflict by unchecked anger or rage. Lord, that it inspires the great acts of of mercy and compassion as we are motivated to build your kingdom and protect and do those things that uh, serve you. So, Lord, I would pray that as we continue to wrestle with these deadly sins, that you would give us life and health, that your Holy Spirit would allow us to uh, come into our own lives and be able to control these things in a way that... We'll never be angry when we shouldn't, and we will when we should. For we pray this in your Son's name. Amen.